Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com slash WNYC and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com slash WNYC and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Estrangement feels like... I've lost a limb, and I'm learning how to live without it. I have been estranged from my family since I was 16. I moved out, and I just never saw them again. I responded and told him, well, the hubris that it takes to tell somebody how they should think has to be pretty high. And that sort of, it blew it up pretty badly. I had been reaching out and trying to contact her, and she just wanted to tell me that she just wanted me to stop trying to contact her. Because the estrangement is kind of this thing that there's no like public rituals for it. Like people might see me and I'm like high functioning and yet I carry all that grief with me. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright. Welcome to the show. And this week, we're trying something new. Those voices you just heard, those are listeners of one of my favorite shows, Death, Sex, and Money. And their host, Anna Sale, is with me this week to invite all of us into an interesting conversation she's been having with her listeners over the past few months. Hey, Anna. Hi, Kai. Yeah, we just put out this series about estrangement on the podcast in December. And in the course of making it, we heard from hundreds and hundreds of listeners about the pain, isolation, and really the lack of public vocabulary about estrangement. Mm -hmm. And estrangement in our meaning is an experience of feeling cut off from a relationship or a community that once felt like home. We heard from people who left relationships that felt they were no longer safe or were serving them, and people who were cut off and didn't always understand why. And Kai, one thing that really came through in our series about our listeners' experiences with estrangement of all kinds was that it's not necessarily a good or bad thing. Mm -hmm. It can be necessary and empowering 
It can also be devastating and confounding, and it can be all of that at once. And the reason I'm really interested to talk with you and the Notes from America listeners about this is I think one of the primary themes of this show is about estrangement writ large, like from each other and from the systems of American democracy. Like every week you are asking yourselves, what values do we share Mm -hmm. and what are are non-negotiables. And when there are deal breakers, what then? What can you work with and when do you draw a line and give up? And I think that's something a lot of us in America have thought about, both in our relationships to institutions and systems and also in our closest relationships where differences of values have flared. Yeah, and that is the work here. And sadly, even right now, as we speak, there are many places we can look and see the social fabric of this country torn in horrifying ways Mm -hmm. and where there are real questions about whether differences can or even should be reconciled, uh, Mm -hmm. you know. And this would have been the 50th anniversary of the right to an abortion nationally. People marched in cities all over the country to protest new anti-abortion laws today that to some seemed unthinkable not too long ago. Meanwhile, also today in Monterey Park, California, residents Mm -hmm. are grieving a mass shooting that happened at a ballroom dance venue last night on the eve of Lunar New Year. There have been 33 mass shootings this year in 2023 already, according to the Gun Violence Archive. But anyway, Monterey Park is famously a majority Asian American community. It's said to be the first in the country. Law enforcement officials have not publicly declared a motive for the violence or said that it, you know, has anything to do with the holiday. They've only said that it that the lead suspect is an Asian male. But I'm not sure any of that matters when I think about just the real fear and ostracization and estrangement that so many Asian Americans have expressed over the past few years. People saying they just no longer feel safe or at home in places where they once felt at home. Hmm. So these kinds of things are the unavoidable backdrop to all of our lives and our relationships and our effort at social cohesion. Uh, And so they are also the backdrop to the conversation we are going to have right now. And listeners, we really intend for this whole show to be driven by you and your experiences. So here is what Anna and I want to hear from you. Are you wrestling with a relationship that is really important to you, but in which there is now such a profound challenge to your values that you're not sure it's worth it anymore? We want to hear about it and what, if anything, has helped you. And this might be an estrangement that's because of who you are, something about your personal identity. Or it could be because of something you or someone else believes, like a particular set of ideas about faith or politics or health. Or it might be something altogether different. Who knows? And just one more thing to say about this call out before we really get going here. It could be that you're feeling this estrangement with a person or family member, but it could be with an institution or a community. Part of what we're doing uh, with this show is following up on a show we did last fall on faith and Christian nationalism. And a Mm. lot of you called in to talk about feeling increasingly estranged from your faith communities. And here's one example of that. This is John from Northeast Ohio who called into that show. Hi, um, I, I've been a Christian since I was 13 years old and um, I moved to Toledo, Ohio, lived there for 25 years. And around the time 2016 came in, and the whole Trump, Trump national uh, nationalism, you know, came into the church. Every time I would try to 
to say, hey, look, you know, we're losing focus. We need to be focusing on the gospel and the love of Christ. I would get shut out. Hmm. My wife and I were essentially run out of this church. And we wound up moving down towards Canton, and we've had to church shop just to find people that aren't preaching, you know, Christian nationalism. Well, Kai, that's, we heard a lot about religion in our series about estrangement. We, in fact, the first episode of our three-part series features a, a person we called Brian. He didn't want to use his first name because he's in it right now. Mm-hmm. He has felt this profound shift in his bedrock values and now believes what he was taught in his church community growing up, one he is still a part of publicly. Uh, he has some questions about, and he thinks it's made him do some cruel things to people he loves. Um, but he's stuck because it doesn't just mean changing his sense of right and wrong. It also is a threat to his marriage, a marriage that took place in this church community. It's a threat to his relationship with his parents. And, mm-hmm. and so he he is experiencing estrangement in that sense of feeling very, very stuck yeah. and not being certain what to do. It's a really profound story um, that that caught in between. And as we take your calls, we're joined by Rebecca Martinez Fitzgerald. She's a therapist based in Durham, North Carolina, who specializes in estrangement. She's been leading a group for adults who have decided they need to pull back from their relationships with their parents. Hmm. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So you specialize in adult children who are estranged from their parents, and we will talk to you about that specific (laughs) uh, dynamic of estrangement of parental relationships. But I know you've thought about this topic on many levels. So just what about this broader conversation that we've set up here? Is there any evidence that estrangement is somehow a more common or more acute thing today than it has been in the past in the U.S.? Maybe. I'm finding in the zeitgeist, there seems to be a lot of um, commentary specifically from, you know, parents who've been cut off, you know, by their adult children, um, that this came out of nowhere. They didn't expect it. And there's a lot of stigma around estrangement. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're hearing more about it. But I think that it's always existed, Hmm. Um, especially when you consider a broader definition of estrangement encompassing not only cutoff, but just the strained nature of a relationship and deciding to reduce contact, reduce exposure, reduce the amount of time or attention is uh, is spent between folks. Um, I do think people are discussing mental health and boundaries and generational trauma more consistently these days. And there may be more people who are making personal boundaries more explicit with b- between themselves and others. But, you know, relational strain is, has existed as long as people have, I'm quite confident. And unfortunately, there's just not a lot of data to determine it either way. Yeah. Rebecca, do you think that the support systems for people experiencing estrangement, while it's, it may have been maybe a timeless phenomenon, as you say, do you think that our support systems and just way of being able to talk about this phenomenon is improving? Ooh, uh, maybe improving in the fact that any of it exists. I mean, there are, there are Reddits, there are, you know, informal groups out there. Um, you know, I, I 
part of what was going on when I started the support group for for estranged adults who are considering or experiencing cutoff from a parent um, was that most of the research that I did indicated that there were lots and lots of communities for parents who have been cut off. And yet a lot of those virtual communities and even social support groups tended to be more echo chambers around the pain and not a lot of questioning about uh, accountability, role development, and and how to potentially foster change or initiate repair in their relationship Mm -hmm. with their children. So I saw a need um, with regards to working with adults who are deciding to potentially set boundaries with a parent around how do you deal with the ambivalence you're feeling and how to normalize issues like shame and dealing mm. with stigma and the fact that there this is just not an issue that's been talked about and then getting clear on what you want what you hope for cuz you know once once estrangement's on the table it typically means that a relationship has been strained so far that that there isn't an assumption uh that the other person uh, that, that that your feelings or experience matters to the other person. And then you're sort of deciding, am I willing to live without them anymore? And that's a pretty extreme place to get to. And yet, when I offered it, people came. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to start hearing what our listeners have to say about this. Anna Sale, host of Death, Sex, and Money, has invited us all into a conversation she's been leading with her listeners about estrangement. And for the rest of this hour, we are going to have that conversation with you. We'll take your calls, and we'll see what kind of solutions we can come up with after a break. Carnegie Hall is one of the most famous concert venues in the world. The first time I walked on the stage, I felt like my feet were moving, but they were not touching the floor. Join us for If This Hall Could Talk, a new podcast that explores the history of this iconic landmark through the unique items in its archives. I'm your host, Jessica Vosk, and together we'll explore how the past shaped the culture we live in today. Listen to If This Hall Could Talk wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back. This is Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright. And this week, Anna Sale, host of Death, Sex, and Money, has invited us into a conversation she's been having with listeners over on her podcast. We're talking about estrangement. Or put another way, can't we all just get along? And what happens when the answer (laughs) is absolutely not? Anna and I are joined by Rebecca Martinez Fitzgerald, a therapist in Durham, North Carolina. And let's start hearing from you. Let's go to Meg in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Meg, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, so this is very interesting timing. Um, I actually live in Idaho, and I'm just uh, visiting back here in Sioux Falls with my father. Um, and I'm currently um, being estranged from and with my mother and my sister. Um, mm. So back visiting my father, but not my mother, really. Mm. And and what is the source of your estrangement? So, um my father's had some strokes and he's in an assisted living. My mom chose to stay in their home, supported her on that. Um, but recently she um, took a boyfriend and moved him into her home, my father's home. 
So there's a man who has his clothes in my dad's closet, his car in my dad's garage, his sleeping in my dad's bed. Um, so morally, ethically, that's hard for me, um, but it's a gray area because of my dad's dementia. Mm. However, this man also um, told my mom when he started pursuing her that he wouldn't move to be with her unless he lived in the house. He's had some bad um, investments, and so he couldn't afford his own apartment. So I'm really concerned um, about my dad's estate. I've told my mom if she wants to divorce dad and do whatever she wants with her half of the money, I'd be fully supportive of her. Um, but uh, that doesn't seem to be something she wants to do. Oh, Meg, um, that sounds really painful and difficult. I, I, I just have a question as far as talking with your mother or your sibling that you mentioned there. Um, what's that been like when you've said, oh, I have some real difficulties ethically and morally with this? Is that a conversation that you feel like you've been able to have um, honestly and candidly with one another? No, not easily at all. Um, that's not uh, the history of our communication style. Um, my sister, um, when he first moved in, I was very angry. And my conversation with her, she just said, we ha- we're on different pages, so I won't talk to you about him at all. Um, mm. And that led to just a a discontinuation. We, we tried, um, and she made some rules about what I could say or how, and I didn't, I, I just said, I'm not willing to have that sort of relationship. My mom and I have become very superficial, talk about movies, books, TV, food. Um, but he also has tried to ingratiate himself into my family. And, um, my dad's siblings have also separated and taken a step back from my mom. So there's been a dis- dissolution of our grander family and um, texts he've set, he's sent out have been very hurtful, trying to make it feel like he's part of our family. Um, I've told my mom I have a boundary that he shouldn't be texting me, but he has still done that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that for, for sharing that story, Meg. Um, and let's take a few and then have Rebecca um, respond to some of them. Uh, let's go to Mina in Pittsburgh. Mina, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm calling um, regarding actually abortion and estrangement from my partner of 10 years. Um, hmm. Let's see. So I've been an ardent abortion rights advocate, um, reproductive rights advocate my whole life. I've been going to marches and being involved in the effort to keep reproductive rights available to everyone for as long as I can remember. I've been with my partner for 10 years. Um we had an abortion within the first year. And then, so this was Pennsylvania where the stakes were high in the last election. And I asked him to vote. He's a non-voter and he didn't. Hmm. And um, I found that out around the election and our relationship has just crumbled since then. And I'm actually planning on breaking up with him next week oh my goodness. because I can't get over it. Um, I can't get over that he didn't fight for the same, that he doesn't have the same values with respect to people's rights and and the right that he enjoyed. We, neither of us ever wanted children. So um, I don't want to say that he enjoyed the right, but we both benefited from it being available to us. Mm -hmm. And yet he didn't um, fight for it when the stakes were really high. And can I ask? And I can't. Can I ask you, Mina, what do you think is like really at the core of it for you when you say, 
that it that, that you've hit a values conflict that makes this relationship now impossible. Um, what is it you think that um, really is at the core of that? I think it is at the core of it for me is a matter of equity that um, I think that it's that we're not seeing the 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 fact that that a partnership um, that involves the possibility of pregnancy and, and burdens of all sorts should be shared. Mm-hmm. Um, and that part of the burden that we have in society is fighting for other people. Um, and he did not fight for me. Yeah, if I may, that, Nina, that's what I hear. I hear also the sense of betrayal that you asked him to vote, that it was important to you. And then he didn't, you found out later. And that's conflicting, too, because, you, you know, I don't want to influence anybody's vote. Um, that doesn't feel like a good thing to do, um, which is why I've, I've been struggling with this for now months. Mm. Yeah. Rebecca, do, what would you say to, to Mina in a situation like this? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of context that I think would be helpful to understand. I certainly hear that she's very hurt um, and surprised. Uh, and, and I think Anna hit the nail on the head when she suggested the word betrayal. Um, it definitely seems like there was a, a, a rupture point when Bina's partner didn't end up voting. And then it sounds like the two of them have not been connecting in their conversations about what that decision meant to them. And it, so... Whether whether it's about the choice not to vote or the quality of their connection since he made that decision, it seems like she's feeling really, really hurt. And with Bina and Meg both, you know, it seems as though people have set a boundary but not been willing to engage further to strengthen the relationship after that point. And it makes sense to want your pain to be seen and validated. But I just want to caution folks, you know, you may decide that uh, that your relationship is incompatible or there are factors about the two of you that are incompatible and that may be grounds enough to end it. But it hurts to cut off a relationship like this, too. So I would just ask folks, is this the pain that you're willing to live with after you end this relationship? I also want to name for Meg, too, that you lose influence when you step away from a relationship. It sounds like she really wants her mom to hear her, her mom's boyfriend to uh, validate her boundaries, the family to rally around her. But estrangement doesn't get you more influence. In fact, it involves losing it. Mina, thank you so much for bringing that story to us. And thanks again to Meg for bringing that story to us. Um, uh, before we take another call, Anna, are you, do you, want, you want to hop in? Well, I just want to say, Mina, uh, good luck next week. Um, and I also just want to—I'm curious, the word estrangement, you know, something that came up when we were talking with, with listeners on our series, like there are breakups and there are ends of romantic relationships, and we have vocabulary for that. But why the word estrangement? Does that, does that resonate with you when you think about the end of this 10-year relationship? I think that gets at some of the the broader context that that is probably missing. But this has been um, the probably the defining relationship of my life. And um, mm. in order to it, it it wouldn't be just a breakup. There would have to be, I think, a lot of distance in order to affect um, mm, a, a broader change that uh, that this revelation has. Uh, sort of revealed to feel necessary. 
Yeah. Well, well best it's of luck to you story. next week. Yeah. Best of luck. Um, we'll be thinking about you. Let's go to Jeff in Brooklyn. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hello. What what what, what would you like so, to tell us about? Okay. So I'm I live in New York, but I'm originally from a city in the Midwest. And I left the Midwest in my twenties and I haven't moved back since. So but every time I go back to visit, my siblings, two adult siblings, they're younger than I am, but they're adults. I'm middle age at this point. Um, things devolve into homophobic. I'm also a gay man. I should have said that things always, always to the point now where I dread going back, devolve into homophobic name calling and threats of violence. And I go back primarily to visit my mother. Uh, she's still alive. Thank God. But she doesn't approve, but she's not, there's not the name calling from her and comments, which I probably couldn't repeat, that my siblings Mm -hmm. make about, you know, you engage in such and such sexual acts, you're disgusting, you're nasty, we should do this, you know, X, Y, and Z to you, that kind of thing. It's primarily from my siblings, the name calling and the threats of violence. Uh, from my mother, she, she doesn't approve, but there's not the name calling and the the threats of violence. She doesn't want to discuss it. So I've considered severing ties or just going back at all. Because at this point, it, it's dreadful even to think about Going, because I know what's going to happen, yeah, yeah. you know. But I, you know, I want to visit my mother, but yeah. I also feel bad. You know, it took a lot of years to work through the internalization of the homophobia, and as I said, mm-hmm. at this point, I'm I'm a middle aged man, still having to deal with threats of violence and name calling from my own family members. And I'm just, I'm tired of it. I've heard this kind of story over and over and over again. Uh, You know, I am a gay man. I know a lot of people with this kind of relationship with their family. Rebecca, I know you work a lot with LGBT people. Um, Mm -hmm. What does Jeff's story make you think about? Oh, it's bringing up a a whole lot of compassion, Jeff. It really sounds like you're hurting. And I'm hearing you putting yourself out there, making yourself very vulnerable to go back to your hometown every time you do see your mother, only to have the fears and the things that you're trying to avoid being thrown in your face. Nobody should have to subject themselves to threats, verbal abuse, degradation. You deserve to be treated with dignity and respect in all relationships. And it is fully appropriate for you to set boundaries with your siblings around what you will stand for. And yet you kind of have to make a judgment call over what kind of effort you're willing to put into your connection with your mother. It's got to be so painful to travel all that way and to feel pressure to hide an enormous part of your identity. Now, if that's a relationship that's very important to you, you might consider whether you're going to tolerate seeing your siblings when you're visiting your mom. And if your mom will 
support your boundaries around keeping distance from them or, you know, deciding what you're going to do if they do bring up the name calling when they're around. Maybe it means stepping away. Maybe it means saying, I'm not going to come back again if you do this to me. You might want to talk that through with your mother, or you might decide that the visits are too painful. That's definitely something to think through. And yet I can tell that this relationship with your mom is important to you. And I would hate to see you cut it off before you're ready. Hmm. Jeff, I, I, I just thank you for sharing that. Um, I know it's hard and it's going to stay hard. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I, I hope others listening to it can, can get something out of that as well. Uh, we're getting tight uh, where we're going to need to take a take a break, but I'm just going to go ahead and sneak in one more call. Um, Rich in Queens. Rich, welcome to the show. Uh, hi. Hi, Rich. If you can, in a fairly short time, just give us a synopsis of what of what you're facing with this judgment. <laughs> right. And we can come back to you after the break. Fair enough. I guess as I was saying to uh, to the person screening the calls, uh, it's I have an intense relationship with my family, and there's uh, the main. It's a main thrust of the the stressors and the the, the thoughts about estrangement are, are revolved around uh, mental health and mental illness, which is something that I deal with as well as my mother and my brother. Um, my father, luckily for him, doesn't really, but he's sort of caught in between all these things. I'm, I mean, I'm an older, I'm older. I live, I live alone. I, um, but I'm still connected to them very much. So even financially, due to my own issues, I find myself out of work often enough and they financially support me. And even also, uh, emotionally, um, my father definitely helps mm. to emotionally support me. Uh, but it's, I'm also triggered. I don't like to use my word, but I'm also my, my, me and my mother suffer from a similar sort of form of obsessive compulsive disorder mm. and things. And I'm like not in a great place myself and she's, also not in a great place and that adds a lot of stress and it's sort of rich i hate brother, to do this but can you hang on just stay with us we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and hear the rest of your story um and see if we can respond to it i'm kai wright snotes for america we'll be right back everyone. This is Kusha. I'm a producer. For this episode, Kai is teaming up with Anna Sale, host of the podcast Death, Sex, and Money. Death, Sex, and Money has done a special series about estrangement. So if you like this episode, I encourage you to check the whole series out. We'll leave a link to it in our show notes. And we want to know, what does this discussion bring up for you? You can email us. The address is notes at WNYC.org. You can also visit our website and send us a voice message. Visit notesfromamerica.org and click on the green button that says start recording. All right. Thanks. Back to the show. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright. And this week, I'm with Anna Sale, host of our cousin podcast, Death, Sex, and Money. She's invited us all into a conversation that she's been leading with her listeners about estrangement. And Anna and I are taking your calls along with Durham-based therapist Rebecca Martinez-Fitzgerald. Uh, and before the break, we were speaking with Rich in Queens. Uh, and Rich, you were telling us about the tricky situation that you are facing with your family and navigating uh, mental illness. Can you pick up where you left off? Yeah, yeah. And I, um, it's 
for me, I mean, I'm in my forties now and this has been, this has been going on forever. And talking about the idea of estrangement, I think even as a child or as a adolescent, I, I had this sort of idea that if I was not with my family, I would somehow be doing better, whether or not that's true or not. Um, because of just understanding the emotional um, and behavioral issues and sort of that perfect storm, which continues is sort of, there's been almost a, um, uh, that fam- my family dynamic is still connected and it's still, everyone kind of is caught up in this thing. And I am too. Um, and I, I think in the end, I don't really want, estrangement that's not something what i i think i've tried to set sort of uh, boundaries which have been helpful enough when i'm able to to use them um but i think i find i find myself in this situation like i'm saying there's also this other there's all these different elements to it um yeah you know, know. you know rich i want to I want to tell you, on, on Death, Sex, and Money, we heard a lot about mental illness and the way that it um, can be a factor in, in causing real strain in relationships and can sometimes lead to estrangement. And and I wonder in your life, when you think about um, the, the the challenges being in relationship with your different family members, do you sometimes blame the mental health care system and its shortcomings for putting so much of the strain on those familial relationships? <sighs> You know, um, I, I can see that as an issue. I have to say, I feel I've been lucky in my life and in, in I come from a you know, fairly well-to-do family, a family that also sort of, at least from an early level, was sort of seeking out help, to be honest. Like, we would went to family therapy as a kid, mm-hmm. um, which I think did not work. Uh, so it's hard to say. Um, you know, I think there are, I do know from my own personal experience, it being sort of in the more public health care thing, having to deal with my own financial situation, it does take a lot more self-advocacy. And I think there is also just a lot more um, advantage you have simply by who you are. Like, I mean, it's just true. It's like if you speak well enough and you, you seem coherent and it seems that helps, people want to help you. Uh, so... I don't, I don't, I don't personally just blame the healthcare or the mental health industry um, for for my in my situation, but I think I can see how that's a factor for other people. Rich, thank you so much for um, for sharing that story. Um, you know, and 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 I hope I hope you find a way through it. Uh, Rebecca, you were nodding along a lot. Um, similarly to Anna with this, um, with, with people who are struggling with mental health, uh, and estrangement. Do you want to say a word about that? Sure. I mean, when, when a mental health issue starts to become a a major factor that interrupts things throughout your, your daily life, whether it affects your relationships, your, your work, your ability to be comfortable in your own home, it's enormously taxing and incredibly isolating. And it can be really difficult when you're interacting with a family system where people either don't understand what's going on or don't know or or aren't attuned enough to your experience to be interested in, in hearing your perspective. And I can tell that that could be very lonely. I'm hearing Rich say that, you know, he's tried to implement boundaries. He's already doing a lot of self-advocacy, which is a lot of work. And yet he still finds himself wondering if he would be doing better without his family. 
I mean, it, it sounds just so difficult and really, I mean, if it's not something he's already talking to someone individually about, um, whether he needs to take more distance from, from family or not, it seems like that would be a good idea. Well, Rich, thank you again for bringing that into the conversation. Let's go to George also here in Manhattan. George, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. And what are you what, what are you dealing with in terms of restraint in a relationship? Well, I'm in an interesting a little uh, scenario where I'm trying to broker or uh, help to not have an estrangement happen between my mother and my sister. Mm. And uh, both sides are a little stubborn <laughs> and a little silly. Um, and my sister is taking the approach that estrangement is, you know, the only way right now uh, and doesn't seem to me to be like a good long-term solution. So I'm um, looking for any advice you guys might have on what? how to, you know, play a middleman here and, and help everybody out. What, unless what that's is, too naive. What is to the degree that you're willing to share? What is the, uh, what is the source of this ongoing estrangement? Um, uh, before we ask Rebecca to chime in with, you know, what pe- people do in these broker situations in general. Sure. So my mother is a classic, uh, not. Oh, I think we lost George for a moment there. Well, okay. So Rebecca, will, will you, for, for people who are just sort of in that broker situation, right? Like where they're trying to say, Hey, you know, I can get in the middle here. I can figure this out. I, my family can heal, whatever the divide is. Is that something you hear a lot? And, you know, is it a good idea? Well, uh, I mean, again, not having a lot of the specifics, I want to say I bristled a little bit when I heard him say that his mom and sister were being a little silly, because mm-hmm. what I'm hearing is that the estrangement is really uncomfortable for him, which makes a lot of sense. And yet, because he wants to help them broker or repair, reconnect their relationship, uh, he is unlikely to be successful if he is adding to the invalidation of the members of his family. Um, in in any adult, in any parent-child relationship, there's an inherent power dynamic. So I would question, you know, whether it might be useful sending them to a family therapist to examine whether the mother wants to be right or does she want to be close? Is, can she tap into her desire to give care and to hear her daughter's concerns? Can the daughter take that in? Is that a new foundation that can be set? Because until that happens, it's unlikely that a solid repair is going to be put in place. This isn't exactly what George was talking about, but I know, um, you know, in Anna's series uh, in Death, Sex, and Money, one of the things that was that really stood out to me was this: um, were people who were in the process of estranging. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that there's this spectrum of behavior that falls under underneath this thing we're calling estrangement, um, and um, and that that seemed like a particularly confusing place to be. And I just wonder how often that comes up and what, what, what you say to folks in those situations. It comes up all the time. It comes up even in people who aren't intending to, to create like intense distance with a parent. It comes up after hurt feelings at Thanksgiving. And yet the thing about estrangement, you know, for what little research exists, it typically tends to be a temporary process and is often cyclical. Very often when a relationship is strained so consistently and yet somebody is not willing to 
or, or when the, the parties involved are not willing to do a solid, intense repair or end it all together, what happens is it t- starts to get distant and then a reconnection happens and then it gets distant again. Um, but very rarely does somebody cut off a relationship and have it end because very often, especially in these, these attachment relationships, it's just so painful to live with that decision forever. Um, let's go to Parker in Manchester, New Hampshire. Parker, welcome to the show. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Well, I lost my partner, um, and she was my um, dearest love, my best friend, my um, lover for uh, almost 35 years. And I lost her October 2021. And uh, part of her life for all that, for, for, let me explain that uh, we, our relationship started out um, improperly. I was married. Um, she was recently divorced. Um, it was uh, irresponsible, it, it, but it was also irreplaceable for both of us. We um, were madly in love from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, she had a core group of friends. She, she called them her chosen sisters, and they were just like family to her. Um, they loved her. She loved them. She shared an awful lot with them. And for all those years, uh, I felt that they were, um, it, at the very least, my friends, but mostly they were um, my friends because they cared for Lisa so much. And I felt that I, it was reciprocal, that I was their friend because I cared for their friend, Lisa, as, as dearly as I did. The last three years of uh, Lisa's life, um, I was her uh, constant caregiver. Lisa died from a combination of lymphoma as well as uh, dementia. And when she died, it was very, very abrupt when uh, I did not hear anything from our friends. I think the first couple of weeks after she died, there was some outreach from a couple of them. And uh, it was made very clear to me um, shortly afterwards that uh, they really didn't care to have anything to do with me. And to the point where this past October, uh, 2022, uh, we finally had Lisa's memorial service and I delivered the eulogy. And in the eulogy, I included um, a lot about this core group of friends she had. And um, not one of them, except one that gave me the proverbial, you know, prerequisite required kiss on the cheek when she walked in. Um, not one of them approached me during that memorial service and had anything to say to me. Oh, and I feel very much estranged from them. They are my uh, biggest and, and maybe my only connection um, to Lisa other than my own memories. Parker, I, I hear the, how painful that's been for you. First, I want to say I'm sorry for the loss of your partner. Um, I'm, I'm curious, have you, since that memorial service, have you reached out to any of these women and, and said, can we get a cup of tea? And then what do you think would happen if you did? I don't know what would happen if I did. Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, they've, one of them made it clear she didn't want to really want anything to do with me. Didn't want to talk to me. Is the way she, I, I think she put it, um, and I don't really understand why. Um, there was a, a significant uh, distancing from me with Lisa's family, her brother and her sister, um, for years. I think 
going back to the fact that um, you know I was married and having an affair with their with their sister, and there was a mistrust I think that lingered, and I it almost feels like the family has chosen to um, step into the family's camp instead of mine, even though they know a lot of the um, the the issues that the family presented to me. Yeah. It sounds like um, the the way histories of relationships linger, and then um, I, what I'm hearing from you is the way it's just compounded the loss um, of your partner. I'm sorry. Thank you, Parker. Um, Rebecca, do you have anything that you would add to Parker's story? I I'm heartbroken that that there was such a lack of support after Lisa's death. I mean, it it makes sense to honor the boundary set by the one person who said they didn't want to connect. And from Lisa's family, that said, I think Anna's onto something when she suggests you reach out maybe to one of the friends who didn't explicitly name why she was seeking distance. I want to say grief and loss can be really uncomfortable for a lot of people and it can make shifting relationships really difficult to navigate. So if these are relationships that you'd still like to hold on to and they haven't told you that they absolutely do not want you in their lives, it might be worth it to check in with them and see what they think and whether they're willing to stay in touch. It would also be a good idea if you haven't already to seek somebody, uh, to give you some support, either bereavement counseling or a loss support group, because you really deserve connection in this time. I hope that's helpful, Parker. And again, um, we're just sorry for your loss. And I have to say, boy, that there there's some really... Uh, you, you, everyone is really bringing the truth to this conversation, so I really appreciate it, listeners. You guys are really chiming in with, with some tough stories. Uh, let's hear from Cindy in Twin Cities. Cindy, welcome to the show. Good evening. Um, I will try to keep it short because I'm looking at the clock. Um, oh, Cindy, <laughs> don't you worry about that. That's my problem. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I, one of my stepfathers was a broadcaster. I get it. Excellent. So 2016 election, I voted as I had in 2012, which means I wrote a candidate in. I didn't like anybody on that ticket. My two bestest friends knew that. One of these friends I'd known since college, 25 years. Um, you know, just my bestest friend. I met one of her friends, uh, almost 15 years prior. And we, so the three of us, I mean, we had a years long group text. Okay. So these are the girls that got me through my divorce. I mean, just best friends, right? They knew I wasn't going to vote how they voted. I also didn't vote for the other guy, (laughs) which I got into a fight with my dad about that, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, they flipped out. Uh, one of them sent her husband to verbally attack me online. Uh, I, there has never been an apology. Uh, the one friend that I'd known for about 15 years, she's never made an attempt to reach back out. Uh, the other friend sent a text. I, at the time I was living in Florida, sent a text while I was in the middle of a hurricane to say, mm-hmm. hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? I hear there's a hurricane. Okay, yeah, guess what? Priorities, you're not on it right now. <laughs> um, you know, 
You know, Cindy, what I want to tell you is is uh, the what you're describing these texts and the social media comments and how they are exploding long term relationships with electronic communication. That's something we heard a lot about in our series on estrangement. So it it might not be a comfort, but um, this is not a this is not an uncommon experience from what we heard from listeners. And and um, again, just like I said to Parker, the thing that I always wonder is what would happen? What would happen if you made call? Uh, or had some in-person um, conversation and, and to see if that would shift some of the dynamics. And Cindy will re- will understand that we are tight on time, so I'm going to go straight to Rebecca. Um, just quickly, in the, in the few seconds we have here, politics um, getting in the way of people's relationships. What What are your parting thoughts on that? Politics and religion and death and sex and money, they all they all make us feel super reactive. <laughs> emotions run high. And yet those high intense emotions don't build relationships or strengthen relationships. It's really important to slow things down and see if there's any room for connection personally or over a phone call or something that is definitely more personal and validating than social media. If this relationship's important to you, see if they'll meet you on your level and for in person. We got to stop there. Uh, An intense hour. Thanks to everybody for participating. Rebecca Martinez Fitzgerald is a therapist based in Durham, North Carolina. She started group therapy series for adults who have become estranged from their parents. And Anna Sale, thanks for inviting Notes from America into the conversation you've been having over at Death, Sex, and Money. You can find Anna's whole series at deathsexandmoney.org slash estrangement. Notes from America is a production of WNYC Studios. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or on both Instagram and Twitter at Notes with Kai. And hey, if you heard anything you want to chime in about this week, you can leave us a voice message right on our website. Just go to notesfromamerica.org and look for the record button. Our live engineer was Matthew Mirando, mixing and music by Jared Paul. Our team also includes Karen Frillman, Regina Dehir, Vanessa Handy, Rahima Nasa, Kusha Navadar, and Lindsay Foster-Thomas. And I am Kai Ray. Thanks for spending time with us. Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged.